are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Thursday episode for you. Man, a lot went down yesterday in the world of football. Two 72-year-old men are no longer coaching their teams. One retired, one was moved to the front office, and my guess is they're not done coaching. We're also going to talk about college football viewership this season. It's contrary to what a lot of people are thinking is happening. We are going to talk about Nick Saban and how important he has been to the world of college football. We will talk about that Pete Carroll being moved to an advisory role with the Seattle Seahawks. I'm guessing that doesn't last very long. And I've got a statistic for you in regards to Matthew Stafford versus Jared Goff. They're playing each other this Sunday night. Got some interesting statistics about both of them. And I've got a statistic on the Dolphins that, well, doesn't bode well if you're a Dolphins fan. We'll get to all that momentarily. So let's start off in the world of college football. Biggest news of the day, Nick Saban decides to step down yesterday as head coach at Alabama. Six national championships there, seven overall, as he won one with LSU. And look, he's 72 years old. You can't say like, I mean, I think a lot of people were surprised with the suddenness of it. He hadn't really talked about, I've only got a few years left or whatever. But I think the biggest thing that this story now takes on is who's going to replace him. And you've heard this saying for years, you never want to be the guy that replaces a legend, whether it was John Wooden or who's going to replace Bill Belichick, which I will have some thoughts on. And now who's going to replace Nick Saban. You want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaced the legend. Nick Saban is easily the greatest coach in the history of college football. I don't think there's really any debate about it because look at what he did when he was winning his first few championships. It was just put the best defense in the world on the field and have a good enough pro style offense to where we hand off and we throw 10 yard out patterns. Never were known for their explosive offense was always built about around their running game. And then when he saw the game of college football, open up, become way more of a passing sport, he was able to go, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go out and get Jerry Judy. I'm going to go out and get Amari Cooper. And just had stud after stud after stud receiver bringing him to the NFL. And was able to adjust that way and decide, okay, I'll get a guy like Tua who's going to sling it all around the field. Ran some RPO with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was, what, 26-2 and as a starter at Alabama? And the guy lost his job to Tua. It just He's the best coach in college football history, regardless of what you think of him personally, because he just seems like an old grump. But your opinion of him being an old grump or being a hard ass or never smiling, go ask any one of his players, especially all the ones that came out of the woodwork yesterday, to sing their praises of that guy. Everybody that plays for him loves him. So, I mean, unfortunately, I think a lot of people's opinion of him is just based on what, he doesn't smile enough for you. He's not like a Dabo kind of guy where he's a rah-rah, run up and down the sidelines and, you know, be all southern twang and, and whatever. I Look, it's all about victories and championships, and the guy delivered it more than pretty much anybody in the history of college football. So greatest coach ever. I think he's done. I don't think this is a I need a year off. You know, at 72, he takes a year off when he comes back at 73, 74. And what does he do? Go, go to another college? 
like any college would be a step down from Alabama. Not saying Alabama is the best. They haven't won a national title in four years. I'm just saying you're at the top of the mountain with Alabama. What's he going to do, go coach in the MAC? I, I just don't see it. Unless this guy wants to try his hand at the NFL again, but I don't think the NFL is suited for him. He did it for two years in Miami, and he couldn't even last two years. He got fired before this end of his second year. And he was on – you remember that press conference where he basically shouted somebody down and he said, I'm not taking the Alabama job, and then he took the Alabama job. But greatest college coach ever, built a legacy at Alabama – when they had struggled ever since the Bear Bryant days. Yeah, they had that one title under Gene Stallings, but for the most part, they were not a national contender every single year after Bear Bryant left. And then he comes in and does what he did. Guy's a legend. Regardless of what you think of him, he's a legend. Now it turns to who replaces him. All He's got such a coaching tree in college football, it's like a who's who. Dabo Sweeney under the Saban coaching tree. Kirby Smart came from Alabama as their defensive coordinator. I don't think Kirby leaves Georgia to go to Alabama. I don't think, you know, the one name that everyone was talking about yesterday, Dan Lanning from Oregon. I, I Look, I have no idea what these people are going to do. I don't know if Dan Lanning is going to leave Oregon because he pretty much just staked his flag there. I believe he turned down a coaching interview recently because he wants to build at Oregon. But I also don't think that Dan Lanning thought Nick Saban was retiring this year. So I'm not saying Dan Lanning is going to take the job. What I am saying is if, let's say, Dan Lanning does end up taking the job and leaving Oregon for Alabama, I already know what the main point of his press conference is going to be is like, look, the only school I would have left Oregon for was Alabama. A lot of them say that, you know, because they kind of have to to save face. But in his case, it might be true. If it's not Lanning, I think the one guy that first would take the Alabama job in a second, I think he is set on record it's his dream job, is Dabo. And now after all the shit that Dabo has taken the last two years at Clemson because he couldn't get him to the playoffs and everybody thinks he stinks now, and we all remember that caller that he went off on on his talk show during the week earlier in this season, he doesn't feel appreciated there because he set the bar so high Anytime they go 10-2 and two and don't make the playoff, he sucks. So if Alabama came calling, Dabo played at Alabama, he was a defensive back there, I think he would take it. I think he would take it. I think he would leave Clemson in a heartbeat to take the Alabama job. I just don't know if Alabama wants him because of his stubbornness towards the portal. You realize that the Clemson Tigers right now as we speak are the only team ranked in the top 25 early top 25 rankings for next year that have not taken one player and signed one player out of the portal. Look, I understand it's Dabo's conviction. I understand that's his thing. He just doesn't want to do it. But that doesn't mean that people have to like it. And I don't think, I mean, look at what the portal is doing. It's making teams better overnight. Look at what Lane Kiffin is doing at Ole Miss with his recruiting in the portal this offseason, the guys that he's brought in. Does it guarantee championships? No, but you can improve tremendously year to year because there's so much turnover. You got guys leaving and you can get other guys in your conference just to come over to your team. And I don't know why Dabo isn't doing it, but I'd say the last two years records and how they've played, 
is a direct correlation of the fact that this guy refuses to go into the portal and get players. I understand it's his thing, but doesn't mean we have to all abide by it. And the results speak for themselves. If he went to Alabama, I would think that the people there in charge would say, like, hey, can you use the portal? It's okay to use the portal. Don't be afraid of the portal. But I just don't know. I don't know if that's if Dabo's got it in him. So Dan Lanning, Dabo Swinney, Kirby Smart. You know, I don't think Alabama is going to promote from within. They're not just going to promote an assistant. This is Alabama. They need a big splash. And I just don't see it being, let's promote Bill O'Brien. You know, Sarkeesian is a possibility. You know, he's going to have a buyout at Texas. The biggest buyout that I saw is Lanning. It's going to cost them $20 million to buy out Dan Lanning at Oregon if that's who they want. But Sarkeesian's name is being thrown around. Would he do it? I, I, I call him Sarkeesian because, honestly, my stock guy is named, same exact name, Steve Sarkeesian. But I think the football coach calls himself Sarkeesian. So, right? Steve Sarkissian. So we'll go with Sarkissian. I don't think he would do it because he's building something really good at Texas, but it might be another one of these things where let's just say Sarkissian is named the head coach at Alabama. I could see him saying at his press conference, like, look, I had no intentions of ever leaving Texas, but you don't pass up Bama, and this is the only school I would have left Texas for. So I'd say it's going to be one of those four, even though I don't think Kirby's going to take it, or five. Lanning? Kirby, Dabo, Sarkissian, or I think no, those four, I guess. I know they're throwing out Kalen DeBoer from Washington. Probably not going to be him just because he has no Alabama ties. I think it's got to be somebody who's been in Alabama before, you know. Um, they want somebody that's one of theirs or at least was once one of theirs at some point. But I think this is – it's – that person's going to have a lot of pressure on them. That's why I don't think it could just be promoting some assistant. Uh, it's it's. I think it's going to be one of those four. Lanning, Kirby, Dabo, or Sarkissian. So interesting statistic coming from Stuart Mandel, college football writer, very good stuff, has a podcast as well, talking about viewership in college football over the last, over the college football playoff era that 9 million is, seems to be the benchmark. If you get 9 million people to watch your game, that's a big game for college football. And from 2014 to 2023, which was the college football playoff era, in 2014, I'm just going to go in order of how many games during that particular season got 9 million viewers or more. 2014, 10. 2015, 12. 2016, 12. 2017, 12. 2018, 13. 2019, 13. 2021, 10. 2022, 13. And this year, 16. So uh, the people who thought that, yeah, more playoff games or the playoffs are going to water down the regular season, those numbers don't speak that it will. The national championship the other night, I think, was the second most watched, second most viewers in college football playoff in the 10 years they've had it, like 25 or 26 million. Um, Michigan played in the top three 
most watched games this season in college football. I don't think viewership is going anywhere. I know people are still getting adjusted and, you know, we'll forget about it for the next six months. But as we start getting ramped up in July and August and we start looking ahead to the beginning of the 2024 college football season, I'm telling you, you are going to get excited for the amount of good conference matchup games that we're going to get. Hell, I already told you next year, Michigan is playing Texas non-conference. They play Washington in conference. They play Oregon in conference and they play Ohio State in conference. Like just the fact that they added four teams from the Pac-12, they get two of them next year. So the amount of good conference games we're getting with those four teams going to the Pac-12 and Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC, we got some good non-conference matchups next year. I can't wait, and I can't wait for the playoff because I think people are going to be really fired up about it. Do I think it's going to kill the other bowls? Probably, but... You weren't watching the other bowls anyway. Well, outside of the Pop-Tarts Bowl. And um, what was the other one? The one with the mayo, where they pour mayo on the coach's head. Yeah, that one too. But, yeah, it's this is looking good. One point I want to make. I forgot to mention this when I was talking about Nick Saban. Do you realize that Nick Saban, at his tenure in Alabama, had 29 losses? In his whole career at Alabama, 29 losses. And he sent 44 players who were drafted in the first round of the NFL. 44 first round draft picks, 29 losses. You can't tell me this guy wasn't the greatest coach in the history of college football. I will not have it. So I told you yesterday that I thought the best game this upcoming weekend in the NFL playoffs is the Rams at Detroit. Because it definitely has the whole Stafford going back to Detroit storyline to it, plus the fact, as I said yesterday, the Rams just gave up on Jared Goff two years after he took him to a Super Bowl. So what has happened to both of them since they essentially, I don't want to say they were traded for each other because they weren't. The Rams signed Matt Stafford and then traded away Goff. It may have been, they might have traded away Goff first and then got Stafford. I don't know what happened first, but the whole point was we don't want Jared Goff anymore. We want Matthew Stafford. That happened in 2021 in the trade. Or maybe they did, you know what, it is. They were traded for each other. Duh. I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, look at these numbers. (laughs) Since these two were traded for each other in 2021, Matthew Stafford, 24 wins. Jared Goff, 24 wins. Matthew Stafford, 66% completion percentage. Jared Goff, 66% completion percentage. Matthew Stafford, 75 passing touchdowns. Jared Goff, 78 passing touchdowns. Matthew Stafford, 41 turnovers. Jared Goff, 41 turnovers. Matthew Stafford, 95.8 passer rating. Jared Goff, 96.5 passer rating. I mean, could you get any more even than that? I don't think so. Holy shit. I mean, you talk about an even trade. And I think at the time, everybody thought the Rams got over and the Rams were getting somebody immensely better than the person that they had. And Jared Goff has played incredibly well in Detroit. Now, the one thing the Rams do have since that trade that Detroit doesn't is a Super Bowl title. Hell, this is the first playoff appearance the Detroit Lions have had since that trade. 
So the Rams win in that aspect. They've won a title. That was why they went out and got Stafford. But statistics-wise, it's about as even as you can get, if you ask me. Really surprising, kind of, that Pete Carroll is now out as head coach at the Seattle Seahawks. They said they've moved him into advisory role with the team. But if you listen to his press conference yesterday, this doesn't sound like this was mutual. This doesn't sound like this is something he wanted. And this doesn't sound like he's done coaching. So I fully expect Pete Carroll is going to take a head coaching job sooner rather than later. Now, with him not being the Seattle Seahawks coach anymore, there are seven openings right now in the NFL. Seahawks, Commanders, Chargers, Raiders, Panthers, Falcons, Titans. I think the Raiders are going to hire Antonio Pierce, the interim coach who went 5-4. and four. I think Jim Harbaugh is a lock for the Charger job. I think that's where he's going. I don't know who's getting the Seahawks job. I don't know who's getting the Commanders job. Panthers, Falcons, Titans, whatever. One job that isn't open right now, but I think will be, is I think Belichick and the Patriots are parting ways. And because he is who he is, they'll probably let him do it on his own terms. But once Bill Belichick, whether he, I mean, maybe they will fire him. I doubt it. I think it'll just be like we've decided to move on and mutually agreed to do this. I don't know. But if the Patriots job becomes available, I think 100% Mike Vrabel is getting that job. Good coach. History with the Patriots. He's part of the Pats family. Played on some of the Super Bowl teams. I think it's a no-brainer they hire Vrabel if Belichick is gone. If he's not gone, where does Vrabel go? Well, I think the Chargers job and the Raiders job are out. So that leaves him with Falcons, Panthers, Seahawks. If I'm the Seahawks, I go after him. That's the best team. Of those seven teams who have new coaches, only the Seahawks finished above 500 this year. All those other teams were under 500. So if I'm Vrabel, if if Bill Belichick stays with the Pats, then... I say take the Seahawks job. I, I I could see him fitting in there for sure. I don't think he wants. Why do you want the Panthers job? Two and fifteen this year. What and why do you want the Falcons job? No. Commanders could be maybe a possibility. You know, maybe he's an East Coast guy. Maybe he doesn't want to go live in the Pacific Northwest. I don't know. But the Commanders do have the second pick in the draft, so you're probably going to be able to build your franchise around either Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Jaden Daniels. You're getting one of those three as the number two pick in the NFL draft. Maybe that appeals to Vrabel. I don't know. But those are my predictions right now. Harbaugh goes to the Chargers. Antonio Pierce goes to the Raiders. Seahawks. If Mike Vrabel doesn't take the Pats job, if it opens up, Seahawks get Vrabel. And then Commanders, Falcons, Panthers, Titans, do we really care who get those gets those jobs? Those will probably go to coordinators. Uh, unless, you know, okay, let's look at uh, Pete Carroll now. He's available. It sounds like he still wanted a coach. Does Pete Carroll go to Washington? I can't see Carroll going to the Panthers or the Falcons or the Titans. It just doesn't fit with me. So maybe Carroll goes to the Commanders because he knows he's got a quarterback that he can build. Doesn't sound like he's done. So that's going to be the interesting thing this offseason for sure. 
And one final thing to end with here. Dolphins fans, I talked about it yesterday. The weather apparently is getting worse in Kansas City. They say game time temperature is going to be, I believe, zero. Maybe even minus three on Saturday night. And look, this is a somewhat small sample size. But it is a sample size that's within the last six years. So it's not like this is going back 40 years. And I don't know how many of the players on today's team fit under this example that I'm going to give, this statistic that I'm going to give. But here it is. Since 2017, in games that were below 40 degrees, and this one is 1,000% going to be below 40 degrees, the Miami Dolphins are 0-10 straight up. They've never won a game under 40 degrees since 2017. 0-10. Now you could say, what does this team have to do with those teams? It doesn't. But it does kind of show that maybe they're not cut out for games in this weather. And the other thing is, that's straight up. So you have to throw that out if you're interested in the gambling line and maybe you think it's just going to be a close game and you want to take the points. That doesn't come into this. What would come into it is if you have to do some sort of pick them and you're like, well, give me the money line. Uh, I, I want. I think Miami's going to win. Well, here's a statistic that says they won't, but it's just a statistic. They could go 0-11. to They could go to 0-11. They could go to 1-10 straight up when the weather is under 40 degrees at kickoff. But they haven't won since twenty since twenty seventeen. Oh and ten. Again, I the statistic I threw out yesterday that I had heard, Tua has never even played in a football game where the weather was under thirty degrees. So, you know, I I don't think he's going to sit out there and just not be able to throw a football. You know, it's like it's not like he's going to get out there and every throw is just going to be this wobbler into the air because he doesn't know how to hold a football when it's cold. No, but. You look at the Dolphins and their offense, and you look at them this season, what did they do? They just boat raced teams, one, that weren't any good, and two, especially at home, where they played exceptionally well. And, you know, they had that 70-point game against the Denver Broncos, going up and down the field, putting up a lot of points against a lot of people. Does that same speed travel in zero-degree weather? No. They're going to be slowed down. So the question becomes, can they overcome it? We shall see. Thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review if you can. Um, the Daily Roundup is posted on uh, in my other feed. If you want to check that out, uh, coming up in an hour from now, podcast number 373 with Temptation Island host Mark Wahlberg. So thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Tell your friends about this. Tomorrow we'll have your picks for the weekend. I'm going to give you an against the spread pick for all six games over the weekend. I don't suggest you bet any of them based on what I tell you. Maybe you like why I'm leaning a certain way or whatever, but I'm not going to be like, okay, you know, my playoff record is this. I mean, we'll we'll talk about all six, and if I, whether I go 0-6 or 6-0, and um, but I'm not, what I'm saying is I'm not betting them myself. Like the ones I give you every Friday during the season, I bet those myself. Playoffs, probably not interested in betting any playoff games. But maybe you are. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. Thank you.